All right, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sports Bears from an Agent's Perspective. All right, you're with your host, uh, Zila Chester Mbekela. And uh, yeah, we've got an exciting episode, man. Um, you know, we've got a guest that's going to come onto the show a little bit later on, you know. Yeah, 57 episodes in, man. You know, we still grind. We still bring you guys, you know, sporting content. Um, yeah, today we're going to be chatting rugby. It's been quite a while since uh, we last talked rugby on the podcast. Um, it's just mostly been soccer, 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 soccer. And, you know, a touch of basketball over here, but just, you know, predominantly football. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, you know, to be bringing rugby content. Um, I mean, and as everybody knows, you know, um, I used to be a rugby player. Um, I love rugby. So any chance I get to talk about it um, is always a treat for me. All right. But before we bring our guest out um, for this episode... This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help. I know, you know, from my personal experience, man, when I was an athlete, when I was a player, you know, there'd be times I would go through, you know, feelings of like stress and anxiety, you know, stress to perform, you know, stress to play well, to make sure you play for that next contract. And, you know, I really wish that I had had, you know, certain like avenues to really vent and get out these frustrations and just have an objective party to talk to, right? BetterHelp, man, it's a platform that offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you through, you know, your tough time or whatever you're going through. Now, you're able to talk to your therapist in private, um, in an online environment at your convenience, so it's literally therapy um, wherever you may be, you know. Um, there's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapists network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then uh, you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Imagine that, under 48 hours. Then you schedule a secure video and phone sessions. And then uh, plus you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist. Um, and everything you share is 100% and completely confidential. Right? What I've found helpful, man, with using the platform um, like BetterHelp, again, you know, is just the response time. That if you're going through something, um, you're able to talk with your therapist and share it right there and then, you know. My therapist, uh, Mark, is so efficient um, and I'm really um, happy that I'm working with him. All right, and then you can actually also request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime if the, cur- like the current um, therapist that you matched with doesn't work out for you. All right, so you don't need to stress and feel like you're trapped with one therapist. You can actually request to change. So... Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to Sports Bears from an agent's perspective, podcast listeners. So you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash kzmbekela. 
right? That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash K-Z-M-B-E-K-E-L-A, Bekela. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, Chase? You good, mate? Uh, easy, man. How you doing, bro? Yeah, good, bro. Good. Good to hear from you. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a cool conversation, man. So I'm good, yeah. man. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. man. It's been, a long, it's been a long time, man. Long time, long time. Yeah, it's been, I mean, mate, it's, it's, it's like this for most of my friends, even back in South Africa. I mean, I haven't been, I haven't been back for such a long time. And mm. uh, I haven't been back... Uh, man but i'm looking to go back actually pretty soon there's a few projects i got in the pipeline coming up that i want to get involved with so hopefully i can reconnect with some of my my pimps back home brother. Uh, all right <laughs> i hear you i hear you all right um thanks thanks again man jeff for joining me for this chat um we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of you know going down memory lane and stuff like that and um just to celebrate your career as well man i think you've had one heck of a career thus far and i mean you're still going strong um so yeah that's why i wanted to just have a chat just to basically find out you know the man behind you know the journey um and i'm sure a lot of people you know would love to hear you know a story like yours um because it's a very unique rugby journey and definitely um a road you know less traveled so i think that's what makes it so significant all right thanks thanks cheers that's uh that's nice to hear it gives me a few goosebumps i won't lie <laughs> it's we a nice intro, started, bro. Relax. <laughs> i know but it's true though i'm I, i'm one of those guys bro it's just it's no, uh right. it's nice to hear okay all right all right so just to kick it off jeff um you know please just introduce yourself and um yeah just tell us a little bit about you um on the surface don't go too deep you know yeah all right okay well yeah so um i'm jeff williams obviously i'm from the eastern cape eastern cape boy uh went to George Randall Primary School, a little uh a little primary school <laughs> in the sticks. And then I went to Selborne College. Obviously was huge for me going to Selborne College. It was a great uh, great education. Managed to do some studying and playing in UPE, Nelson Mandela Metropolitan, and then uh shot up to the Sharks for for a few years, okay. played club rugby there at Varsity uh, Varsity College, and then I uh, went to go work in Cape Town, <laughs> played for Hamilton's. All right. Uh, okay. For a few years. Yeah, that was really cool. And then I managed to uh, get, get my bags packed, took a backpack and went over to France and played in the Division Three down there for a year. And then uh, by the grace of God, I don't know how it happened, but I managed to get into the England Sevens setup uh, mm. through a trial and, and played England Sevens for four or five years. Uh, through that, played for Bath for three years and then uh, decided to come back to France where it all started really. Mm-hmm. And I've been in France now for about four years, so it's been a it's been one hell of a, ch- a trip and a journey. But it's um, it's been exciting, and there's been lots of lessons along the way. Eh? Yeah, mm-hmm. so. yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, um, all right. Now we're gonna take a trip down memory lane, Jeff. Um, at what age, like you know, um, did you first get exposed to rugby or pick up a rugby ball? Um, and second, like you know, were there any other sports you, you picked up, like, as a lighty, like, just before you got to high school? Because, you know, when you're a kid, you try your yeah. hand in everything um, <laughs> just to see where, you know, um, which one sticks, you know, so to speak. Yeah, well, basically, I, I, I started rugby really young. Eh? I always loved sports. 
Um, I think I was one of those kids. I mean, I was even part of the chess team when I was growing up at George Randall. <laughs> if there was a ladder, if there was a ladder, you could go up and down. I was I was trying to compete. A tennis, squash, cricket was actually my first love. I loved cricket more than I loved really? rugby when I was growing up. Yeah, I played. I played for. I played for George Randall, and I was part of the like the border East London group. I remember I was very proud of that. A little, okay. uh, little off breaker. I, I played uh, cricket, um, and I loved it. But rugby, I started playing when I was six. I mean, my dad was a Dalian, my granddad was a Queenian, so I, I was always into. <laughs> yeah, I was always introduced to sports and rugby and. I loved it. 95 was a big moment for me, obviously, watching that with my dad and all the, mm. the history with that. Awesome. But I, to be honest with you, I loved any sport, any ball, uh, tennis, rugby, cricket, athletics. I loved doing athletics. My mom was an athlete. Okay. So, um, yeah, man, it was, I, was always, I was always playing, always playing sports. Always. Mm. Love it. Um, what, event, what event did you like doing in athletics? Well, funny. The funny thing is, I, I actually used to do a little bit of shot put. Um, okay. I used to do a shot put, and then I used to do sprinting. So I did sprinting, uh -huh. high jump. Um, I remember I got my mom to come down and, and buy me spikes when I was like twelve. Okay. I lied to her and said I was part of the the, the hundred meter final for border. <laughs> and she came with my she came with my, my my auntie, and my mom was a sprinter. She she ran for um, for border and for KHS, oh, yeah. uh -huh. and. Um, they rocked up there to watch the final, and I was uh, got my spikes and I was hiding. I was like, I, I didn't make the final. I never, I never forget it. It was so embarrassing when they were like, "What, what do you think was going to happen?" You... <laughs> it, was, it was classic. Border okay, schools, so like when she eventually found out like that you were lying, what was the <laughs> end result? <laughs> well, I basically you know, back in those days you could still get a hiding, man. We come from a different era. Yeah. I think I think my mom was just so uh, confused. She didn't even give me a hiding. Normally, my mom was the disciplinarian. She was the one oh. who gave me the hiding. But I think she was just so confused. She was like, "What? What the bloody hell did this little little lady think?" But she she basically let me keep the the, spot, the spikes. training spikes. And I basically it was a good omen because I eventually did run for for Selborne and I was quite quick towards the end of my my teens. So. Yeah. Okay. But I, I wasn't that quick when I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we were all late bloomers when it came to speed, bro. Yes, it Definitely came late. Bro. It came yeah. late. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, okay, you, so you went to George Randall Primary School. What, like, what, um, what's your best primary school like, memory when it comes to playing for George Randall? Um, yeah, well, well, basically, it was, you know, I mean, George Randall back then... Uh, we were in the B division, so it was almost like we played the B teams. Okay. And uh, we used to have fierce rivalry against the Force Milan and against uh, uh, Satsuan. Yeah. Mm. And I, <laughs> I think I think the the highlight was under thirteen. I think uh, we beat Crew, and Crew had a very good um, Crew had a very good um, under thirteen team. A lot of them went on to play for Hudson. Okay. And um, we beat them like seven nil. On a, on a Saturday morning down in George Randall. And I think that was the highlight. I, I loved my George Randall uh, career and playing there. And, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it was all part of my journey. So, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. But we were definitely in the beer division. If we had to play against, like, sort of Queens or Dale. I mean, we played against uh, Dale B-side or mm -hmm. C-side even uh, under 13. So, it wasn't anything spectacular. But there was, a, there was a good bunch of young boys down there. And, yeah. Um, and we loved our sports. We were actually quite a good cricket school at that stage. Mm -hmm. Richard Kent was the was the coach down there, and he was a border cricketer. Okay. And he was a hell of a teacher. He really inspired me. He got me. 
he got me on the on the straight and narrow. He he, he got me involved with uh, Bible studies, and I think I think he saw I needed a bit of direction because I, I, I was all over the place. <laughs> you know, too naughty. But it was good. Rugby was good, and I was always competitive. And I always, I remember from the age of about since I mean ten or eleven, I was just thinking about trying to get to Dale or trying to get to Selborne. Or yeah, I remember yeah. just asking my dad consistently, "Can I please go? Can I please go? Put me in boarding uh-huh. school. Do me there." So um, yeah, it was the big dream, eh? The big dream. Mm. And I guess obviously um, the obvious choice was to stay in East London and go to Selborne because I mean it's closer to home. Yeah, I was very close. My dad had a bottle store in King Williamstown. I was very close to going to Dale. And, okay, um, really? Yeah, very close. Yeah, yeah. Um, during those those years, I mean, I, I um, that under twelve year of Shannon Rick, Daniel King, yeah, uh, James Hutting, and those guys, and that under thirteen year, they were they were red hot. Dude, so, they were monsters under thirteen. Yeah. I, rem- I remember those yeah. days. Flip and <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's such a funny like... community, but you just knew it. You knew mm. everyone. You knew the guys that would run over you. You knew the guys who dunk hard, who bounce. Yeah. I mean, dunking was still legal at that time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Actually, a funny story. Actually, we, uh, that's my probably my, my fondest memory. We drew with Hudson, with okay. Gordon Raymond and Quezzy. I remember yeah, that, yeah, yeah, at I Hudson. Remember, I remember those guys. And yeah. that was probably the highlight of my my George Randall career. Actually, just changing subject. But okay. yeah, Selborne was uh, Selborne was the one for me. Eh? Uh, ended up going there. Okay. All right. And then, um, yeah, so now we move on to our next topic. Just talking about that under 15A monstrous team that you guys had, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I remember, Jeff, like 2003. You guys were literally the talk of the freaking, not only the border, bro, like the whole province was going on about you guys. Because um, I remember when we played against Grey PE, like we played against Grey after you guys had played them. And so, like, the, one of the host moms um, of the players were having breakfast in the morning, and she just <laughs> would not shut up about Selborne College backline, dude. She was like, she had never seen, like, teenagers just be so clinical in how they play the game. Like, she was like, you guys were just lethal, man. Um, yeah. And yeah, I remember, was... like, it, it had all of us shook. And um, like, after you guys beat Great Bloom, like, that was... Yeah, that, I remember that week, um, like walking around at Queens. Imagine being told by every single person that you guys are probably going to get fifty or hundred points against <laughs> you this weekend. Yeah. But you know, luckily, um, I think you guys relaxed a bit because I mean, you guys only beat us five 0 that weekend. But yeah, which was a huge relief for us. But it was it was just one of those, man. When we were going to play you guys, we had to be extra psyched up because it was like, yeah. you can't let up against that team. Um, so how did you guys assemble that team? Because a bulk of you stayed from under 14, but it was like, you just added a few pieces. I know Manioko went to... Yeah. Um, ended up Manioko. <laughs> He's actually still a best legend. friend of mine. What a legend. What a character. Yeah. No, look, I think, I think when I look back at it now, and you're actually bringing back some good memories for me, yeah. Um, it's it's amazing actually because that side I remember rocking up at it started in under 14 really when you rock up there and it was the best of the best that year mm-hmm. we had guys under TT Ongi and Gambu Kao yeah. there was uh, Dan King at 12 myself at 10 and I, I started off in the D team D team uh, D team in the D trials because I come from George Randall so they said hey pack your bags but yes. go, go play down there in the D team but <laughs> And it's the Selbornians, the Selbornians, Queenie, not Queenies, little, a few Dalians, uh-huh. um, Hudsonians, they were laughing at 
the lack of luck with me that you go back down there. But no, look, we had a great team and there was a lot of big boys for their age. I mean, um, uh, Lusa Seni was a, was a monster. Oh, yeah. We had uh, Greg Beebe, we had David Green, tough, tough character, Weston Oberson from Ganubi. Um, it was a very, very good uh, year of, of boys from all over the border, all over East mm. London, coming mm. to Selborne at that stage. And uh, Kevin Taylor, who actually was our under-15 coach when we went on that unbeaten run, uh-huh. he was a he was part of that 98 year, 99 year at Selborne where he coached the first team and they were unbeaten. Well, uh-huh. not unbeaten. They lost two or three games. He was a real man's man. And he, okay. he treated us, he treated us like uh, real young men. And he, 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 he was, uh, he was tough. He comes from the old school and he was a great coach. Okay. He was, he was uh, instrumental in that, but the speed we had, the, the talent we had um, was, I mean, it was unbelievable. We really, really, really were, very gifted, very gifted bunch, and we were very lucky to be together at that at that time. I think. Yeah, no, no it, it was honestly. I, I think, like a lot of people, anyone who doesn't appreciate, uh, just, you know, how talented you guys, you know, were, I say they were hating, man. Like it was one of those where you're like, hey, look, yeah. I know I'm an opponent, but damn it, now nah, that team, you know, it's um, yeah, those guys, they they play awesome rugby, you know, and I mean, yeah, because I, I think that year we came second to you guys. Um, yeah, the Queenians were tough, man. The yeah, Queens yeah, yeah. Tough. No, we, we had a really, really tough well. school. Really tough. Always yeah, tough. Yeah. I mean, my granddad taking me to Queens games since I was about six. And um, I knew the Queenians were tough. And, and But that's the mentality up there. It's the it's the mindset. And when you go there and you play against Queens, you're never going to have an easy game. You have an easy yeah, game against Gray. Yeah. You're not going to have an easy game against Queens. They're just at that stage, a little bit of an underdog, though, that generation. You guys were definitely the underdogs. That's why you guys bloomed so much when you guys got to first team level. And yeah. Those three or four years of uh, of um, first team rugby was so uh, so wonderful to watch. Yeah, they did well. They did well. Yeah. Shout out to them. All right, and then um, all right. So yeah, just your your favorite high school memory because I mean, obviously after that under fifteen year, you went on um, to play you know open rugby and stuff like that. So what would you say is the best memory when it came to your like open rugby season? Um, let me have a think here. That's quite an interesting one. Um, it could have been my first first time playing and, and winning uh, when I was in the Senate 8, playing with the Grey second team. I'm uh, not the Grey second team, the Selborne second team, and we beat Grey. And okay. I came onto the pitch. It was the first time playing in front of a big uh, a big uh, sort of crowd like that. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then I think if I had to think about my first team career, it would be... I th- oh, I'm trying to think of a of a memory. We 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 didn't have a great first team year. We we beat Afis. I remember beating Afis when I was in grade eleven at the mm, Great College mm, one fiftieth, mm. and that was pretty special. That was a pretty special. Back in match. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. We weren't we weren't meant to come near, and we we actually ended up winning that game at Grey one fiftieth Great College. So mm, I'd say mm. that those two those two memories are definitely ones that I'll I'll keep and cherish. Okay. No, right. No, all good, Jeff. Um, and then, obviously, after you finished matric, you said um, while in your introduction that you went to NMMU. How long were you there? And how was the standard of rugby at NMMU when you were there? Because, you know, over the years, they really became a decent um, outfit, especially like in the Varsity Cup and stuff like that. How was it when you were there? 
Yeah, I got there and I was, list- I was, I was literally a bit shocked at how poor it was in, in terms of, you know, coming, I, I'll, I'll talk about this quickly, but coming from mm. Selborne where there were 10,000 people watching your game, yeah. and then you go, for, you go and play under 20s at, at MMMU and there's uh, six, six people and their dog watching the <laughs> game. It's, it's, you, 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 get a, you, you get a bit of you know, you get a bit It's demoralizing. I was like, hey, I had an Adidas sponsorship. We got Adidas balls and we had a, we had a scoreboard. Now, uh, yeah. what's up? What's happening down here? But <laughs> it's funny. It's really funny. But yeah, it was tough for me. I got injured in the first game against uh, against uh, Free State University, uh, Shimless. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there was a good team. There was a good... There was like Steve Hunt was down there, the future Springbok Sevens player. There was a few other really good players in PE at that stage. But okay. I was only there for a year, hey? I was only there for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I decided to... I mean, I had, a, I had a bursary at the Sharks Academy, but I turned that down to, to, get, to stay close to my girlfriend. Uh, I'd lost my grandfather who uh, was very close to me that, that, that year before, and I was almost in a very difficult spot. So uh, I decided yeah. not to, to, to go up to Durban. And then mm-hmm. the year after, when she finished, she finished at uh, Woodridge, I decided okay. to shoot okay. up to... Um, shoot up to the Sharks, but okay. not the Sharks, but more like it was part of old boys, you know, old boys, Glenwood old boys. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no. Old boys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They gave me a bursary up there. So I went up there for, uh, for two years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the old boys. Yeah. They've got a decent team. I think you might've been there around the same time. One of my, one of my mates played there. His name was uh, Stevie. What's his name? Stevie. Flipping hell. I forgot his, his last name, but he's like a blonde, Blonde yeah. Stevie, he played safe. I think, I think, then... I think, I think I remember Stevie, yeah. I remember, yeah, Stevie. I remember, yeah, part of old yeah. boys. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, we, and then, I had some good times there. Yeah, and then, then one of my other friends, like Prince, Prince Mofoking. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, he jammed there as well. Um, okay. It's a small world, but it's a small world. Yeah, it's a small <laughs> world, bro. Yeah. Very small world. But tell me, how is, you know, um, just the club rugby culture in KZN? Like, you know, did you, do you find that it, contributed to your development um you know within your journey you know towards becoming you know like a full-on pro yeah i mean listen I'll, I'll be honest with you i was a nobody when i rocked up there um and and rightly so i decided not to take up that sharks academy spot and mm-hmm. um when i got there kawe gordy all these guys were well-established contracted players very close friends of mine obviously yeah. guy yeah. ranger yeah. Mm-hmm. um they were all very very much involved with um the high the high sort of enchilant of the sharks mm-hmm. system and i had to i mean i had to sit back and I had to beg for protein uh, leftovers and stuff, you know, not beg, but <laughs> I literally would, and, and some old kit and throw me a pair of old shark, shark kit. I remember, I never, I never forget that. I would love a, a pair of shark shorts or something for one yeah. of the boys. But it was, it was really, I mean, it was humbling. I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was mm-hmm. literally, Jeff, if, if you had to be there, if we had to go back in a time machine, mm-hmm. I was a bit of a, I mean, I've, even at one stage, I played on a 20 Bs for, uh, for Jeez. old boys. So there was definitely a, uh, it was a humbling time for me and also a time where I actually had to let rugby go. I had to realize mm-hmm. like, look, I ended up playing for the first team, playing for old boys first team and, uh-huh. and playing on the wing there for them and got some caps against Rovers and et cetera yeah. And, yeah. and started to actually enjoy it. Yeah. But I was really in the system and in the, in the, in the community of the Sharks Academy or the Sharks on 21 and the 19th. I was very much a nobody, you know. So, yeah. but that, that that boded me well for later on because I yeah. really had a, a big chip on my shoulder, and I had a 
uh, a nice bit of motivation to go and, and, and chase it and also to let go of it. To mm. play rugby for the love of it and, and let it come to you. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what you did. But can I tell you a short story though, Jeff? Um, Please. You probably won't would, know this. So when the Sharks in the 21 toured uh, Poch, so I was at Fuka at the time, you guys were at the Sharks Academy. Yeah. And uh, I remember, so Mbube was there. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, but the team manager for the under 21 side was uh, Neto Goyana, Chester. Yes. Also born here. Yeah, Chester. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so me, so I met up with them like later on. After so we, we played against them um, as Lions in the Twin One versus Sharks in the Twin One, and then after the game, we met up for like drinks and stuff like that. And he actually, he was like, "Listen, one player that hasn't been discovered, but I promise you, this kid's gonna go far." He's like, "You remember Jeffrey Williams? He, he's your age." I'm like, "Yeah, I remember Jeff playing against Jeff on the 15 and stuff." He's like, yeah, he's, he's playing for all boys. And he's like, this kid is so talented. And I wish they wow. could give him a chance at the Sharks, you know. So it, everything just came full circle. Like when I saw you playing like for England Sevens and everything, I'm like, this is the I, guy I didn't know that Guyana told me that. about in, 20, in 2008, dude. He said this oh. in 2008 on a night out in Paris. It's goosebumps oh. stuff, bro. I've got a bit of goosebumps there because he was, a, he was a real legend of mine when I was growing up. You know when you had, you know how it is when you had school. You don't, you don't want to be a springbuck. You want to be your first team hero. Oh, for sure. You look up for to sure. him. You want to sure. play for the first team. And Chester was an unbelievable role model for, for us when we were in grade six. Uh, yeah, I did. Yes. He grade eight, sorry. Yeah. So he was... He was, uh, he's a young man and I, I didn't know him as much when we got older, but I just knew his work he was doing in the community and as a mm. coach, I really mm. respected him, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's, yeah. Thanks, bro. That's an awesome story. Yeah. He, yes. He was your biggest fan, dude. He was like, no, nah, watch out awesome. for that Jeff Williams. He's going to be something special. And I was like, all right. All right. Shout out, Chez. Thanks, yeah. Chez. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. And then obviously now, so you moved from KZN to CPT. Like if you were to compare the two, you know, club rugby structures, um, which would you, which would you say really, um, how can I say, brought out the best, you know, out of you? Well, I think the the shark system and KZN system is is very good because they, they 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 get their their professionals playing in the league, and there was a there's a lot more of a following. There's a lot more of a uh, sort of like a um, I don't know. There's more prestige, you know. There's there's mm-hmm. higher profile players playing in the club, and uh-huh. then in, in KZN. I mean, down in Cape Town, in the Cape, I would say it was more professional. So you got paid. Uh, the, it was very competitive too, but not as competitive as KZN. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed it because the Cape Town scene, going out, living in Cape Town, there was yeah. more than just rugby as a balance. When uh, Durban uh, was uh, very uh, much yeah. like, you could just, everyone was a gym rat. Everyone was in their <laughs> shark's vest. Everyone was like shaving their legs. It was like, a, there, was a, there, was a, there was a cult, you know, there was a cult with the academy. These <laughs> O's. He's always just drink protein and, uh, and smash some weights and they've got huge quads and and and, <laughs> and then the uh, qu- quads and calves, just quads and exactly, calves. exactly, bro. And bench, what do you bench, coach? What do you bench now? But it was, it was it was that culture then, you know. It was it was very much a these 18, 19 year olds looked like they were city, you know. They were big, yeah. they were big guys. They've been gymming hard, hard, hard out. Yeah, yeah. And I just wasn't that. I just wasn't that guy. I was very natural and almost had to wait a little bit. To start getting those uh, that testosterone up and and that manly strength that I only got probably when I was 23, 24, 25. Uh, bit of a late bloomer, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Cape Town was awesome, eh? I enjoyed Hamilton's. It was a great. It was a great coach down there, Mullies. 
mm-hmm. introduced me to sevens for the first time and i had a lovely time down there for i think it was two or three years okay it was uh yeah game changer did, did you play with pierre cronier over there oh yeah pierre cronier let me tell you something one of the best men i've met in my in my journey yeah. he's a great man the zip zip man he's a legend or Matty Rogers at the back, full back, scrum half, 10. He could do it all. And he was a hell of a man off the pitch. Still, mm-hmm. he's not he was. And I, I'm still in contact with him today. He's one of my dear friends. And whenever okay. I go to Cape Town, uh, I shoot him up. Uh, beautiful guy, bro. Beautiful guy. Yeah, nah. He's, yeah, Pierre's a legend. Man. He was my matric when I was at Queens. Nah. He yeah. was always one of those very laid back guys, man. Um, yeah, I actually man. caught up with him a few years ago when I played a bit of club rugby um, down in flipping in the Northern Cape. So we played in the Community Cup and we played against Hamilton's. Um, so I got to catch up with Pierre over a beer after the game. Good guy. Hey, it's, uh, rugby's a lovely thing or you can yeah, just catch man. up with old friends like that. Eh? <laughs> awesome. It is, man. It is. All right. And then obviously came the, um, you know, packing of the bags and, you know, venturing into the unknown and heading off to France. They don't speak, you know, English, you know. They don't speak zero English. So how yeah. was your, just your adjustment period, like at uh, rugby club Chateau Renard and just, you know, the rugby, the culture, just everything about France. How was it for you? at Facebook? Well, it was an eye opener. I mean, I was coming out of Cape Town and I was quite a little socialite down there in Cape Town. Yeah. I was doing my, my nights out yeah. and, I, and I was having a great time with the rugby too. But I went to this small little village, if you can, if you can think, almost to like a little smaller than King Williamstown. You know, there's mm-hmm. one bakery, there's one uh, pub, there's a couple of restaurants, so there's a few shops. Very small. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was an eye opener for me. It really got me focused on rugby and uh, I, I started to dream a lot there and I was living by myself, basically, in a very, a very uh, modest, I, I, I say, very modest apartment. And mm. it was humbling, but mm. I really was dedicated to rugby. And I started really dreaming about and visualizing myself uh, becoming Paying higher. Pitch. Yeah, exactly. And, and mm. you know, I was, I was very dedicated at that stage, especially halfway through that season, because I only spent a season there in Chateau. Yeah. But it was a, it's a lovely culture. The French are very, very close. It's very old school. It's almost like going back in time to the 1960s, 1970s, where it's very community driven. It's very much eat together. Uh, produce is all from the area. It's, yeah. it's old school, man. And I loved it. You know, yeah. I loved it. I really enjoyed my time there, uh, yeah. I must say. Did you learn how to speak French in your first year or were you just, you know, scathing through? Scathing through, I reckon it was very <laughs> difficult for me. It, it was like it was like they could have spoken Chinese. I wouldn't know, know the difference. You know, you think you can understand French. I was like, oh, I'm going to France. Wow, I'll pick up the language in a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> a couple months down the line, all I could say was bonjour, cafe, see me play. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, and there was no there was no translator back then. It was 2011, yeah, 2012. Yeah, but not so, talking. Uh, but now you know because Chateau is like it's a it's a small town. Like, um, didn't you receive any cold shoulder like shoulders from some of the locals? Because um, I remember a friend of mine who went to play like in one of the, the smaller village towns in Pontalier, and he was like one of the locals was almost like mad at him. He's like and says in French like I can't believe this guy came all the way over here and can't say a word in French. You know, you came to France, yeah. so you should be able to speak. No, I think for me, it was, uh, it was very, very, uh, it was very tough. 
Yeah. My, my personality is one of very, I'm a very smiley guy. I'm very open. So um, I was actually very fortunate. Uh, no one really was um, making me feel out of place. And oh. I think I tried to speak. I didn't just speak English. I think yeah. I tried to. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you, it, when you make it. It taught me a lot about that. You know, it taught mm. me a lot. Of, it made me look mm. at my own country and made mm. me think about how for, for so many years we just speak English and we expect to just uh, allow everyone or expect everyone to speak English. Where you, I think when you're going into regions and to places where people don't speak English, it's not their first language. I think we have to try, try harder to, to speak other cultures' languages. And I, it, it actually opened up my eyes to that because the mm. French are so strong on, listen, you don't speak French here. I mean, you don't speak English here. This is That's France. True. Yeah, facts, yeah, so facts, it, facts, it, it, it opened up my eyes to that. And I just think uh, something we can work on in, in, in South Africa in the future is definitely trying to speak everyone's language, not just English, the medium or, yeah. uh, you know, the big languages. No, awesome, man, Jeff. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome to see that you were able to adjust and really enjoy your time, your first season overseas and your first yeah. season, in a, you know, in a place where they don't speak, you know, um, your home language and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess that must, that was, um, how can I say, reassurance to you that you had made the right move in taking this chance, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I thought. And it was a, it was a great, it was a great education for me. Definitely mm. great education. All right, and then England Sevens journey. So, how did they discover you? Like, um, like, did you send an email, or you know, was there like a scout maybe who came to France to watch one of your games? How, how did they like learn about you? So basically, this is one of the the funniest stories, and I mean, for me, it defined me, and yeah. it's got nothing to do with me actually. It was to do with my father, my dad, oh. Simon Williams. He. Uh, he, he he basically was never a pushy father. He never he never said to me. My, my granddad was the one that always taught me the games, and my dad was more just come watch me, chill there, always support me, always tell me I have a good game, but never mm -hmm. went into detail. And he told me the one day I was in France, and he was like, "Jeff, listen, I've um, I've got in touch with England Rugby," and I was like, "What? What?" <laughs> he was like, uh, "Yeah, I've, I've emailed the RFU.com," and I was like, "What? Are you being serious?" Was, he's like, "Yeah, I've just emailed him." I laughed at him. I said, "Dad." Hey, listen, listen, champ, it's, it's a great effort. Well done, but don't feel bad if they don't reply. And he said, they've replied, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I've, emailed, uh, I've, got, I've got Stuart Lancaster's email address and Ben Ryan at the sevens. What? And I said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing? Are you? I said, I, I've emailed them already. I've emailed them your CV. And I said, my CV? I don't have a CV. What's up? He said, yeah, but I know what your, your time is over 40 meters. I know your 100 meter time. I know where you've played. And I laughed at him. I said, Dad. What a legend, man. Your dad's listen, the MVP. Flipping <laughs> hell. It's handwritten, but it's handwritten. <laughs> my dad was, school, my dad was laughing yeah, at me. Yeah, that's how it should be. Hell, and, and my dad was just laughing. And I was just like, literally a little bit embarrassed. I was like, Dad, you can't do that. That uh, You know, I'll feel bad for you, but I love your effort. Thank you so much. But they're not going to reply. He said, Jeff, they've both replied to me. Ben Ryan wants footage. And I was mm -hmm. like... Oh my goodness! I knew Ben Ryan was obviously Ben Ryan was very yeah England Sevens legend, dude. Yeah, so I got on it, spoke to my the only guy who spoke English in my club, uh, mm -hmm. Simon Birrier, and I got mm -hmm. all my clips together of me playing in Chateau and I put my clips together, and I wrote down a CV of actually what I've what I've done, and I had a few clips from Hammies. Okay. And I actually had a few good years down in Hammies against Marty's against UCT. Mm -hmm. So I was actually I actually had some good stuff. So I put that on the on the tape. I sent it to Ben Ryan or to my dad. My dad sent it to Ben Ryan. And I, and I said, oh, it's never going to come back. And my dad phoned me the next day and he said, listen, 
uh, Ben Ryan said, if I can fly you out to London, you can go for a trial next week. Sure. So I was like, what? Dude. I was like, no, pre no preparation. I was like, damn it. Okay, <laughs> hold on. I didn't have a car, so I had to get a friend of mine to drive me to Marseille, 50 uh -huh. minutes. I told the coach at Chateau Renard that my grandparent uh, is ill and I need to go see, visit her in uh, hospital. So I needed to take the week off. So I went to, to London, arrived. You wouldn't believe it. There I was in a pair of PD pants, uh, an old jersey, a pair of uh, tackies, uh -huh. locked up at the Lensbury where it's like this five-star hotel where they've got pictures, hotel rooms, buffets. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got chucked a bag of kits, Nike kits. And I remember saying, oh, my goodness. Taking photos of the kits, taking photos with me in the kit, in the mirror. I didn't show anyone, of course, because I was like, <laughs> this is underground. I don't want to be humiliated. Yeah. And anyway... The trial went for three days. We would mm -hmm. run 7K a session, mm -hmm. but not doing fitness, playing games. 7K a session, we had two sessions a day. No gym Sheesh. for three days in a row. How was that? Well, out of the five trialists, four of them pulled up with hamstring torn off a bone. Boom, torn. I had, I had a big knee injury that I hurt, my, I hurt my knee trying to catch Norton. So the first thing we did was, was half of us stand underneath the poles, half uh -huh. of us on the halfway line. Mm. And we had to kick the ball to the person on the halfway line. It was a one-on-one -on -one with the whole pitch. What? Who do I get? Who do I get? I get Daniel Norton. So Holy I kick it to hell. him. He runs around me, a rounder, laughing at me as he's rounding me. I'll never forget it. As I'm chasing him, yeah. there's this little pitch in the pitch. And I almost hyperextend my knee. And I'm, fuck, I'm battling. I'm battling. I'm chinning. Yes, like it. By the grace of God, the physio is South African. His name is Brett Davies. He's one of the uh -huh. best in the business. He looks at me on the last day and he says, this is the last day. I go to him in the morning. I say, listen, my knees, I'm buggered. I mm. couldn't dominate the tackle. I couldn't dominate the speed. I was, mm. I was out of my depth. Mm. And he said to me, just get through the session. He strapped my knee up. I remember jogging around in this warm-up. Yeah. And, um, but I tell you what, I was limping. And if we had to do a 7K session, I was done. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. somehow, they said to us, listen, we're doing something different today. There's a, little, there's a little ring here. We're doing boxing and almost grappling and tackling. Okay. Now, if you know France, all there is there is, is fighting. Yeah. I had, uh, out of the 12 games I played, four of them were in huge brawls, like mm, big fist mm, fights. I, I know France in the brawls, man. Yeah. I was involved in a few when I studied over there and played. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So you know it, but you know it. So basically, <laughs> we got into this huge uh, arena and we had to make tackles. And I got into a fight with the, with the captain. And what? I basically gave him a few punches and he gave me a few punches and uh, the coaches loved it. I think, I, I really do believe that showed them there was a bit of dog in me and, uh. and England, were, England were missing that at the time and Ben Ryan had a meeting with me afterwards and he said, you know, uh, I don't know what to do with you. You're not big enough for a prop. You're not fit enough for a hooker. You're not quick enough for a wing at this level, but there's something about you. He said that mm -hmm. to me. And I remember sitting there in my pink Abercrombie shirt. I'll never forget this. Like I was trying yeah. to be cool. And, <laughs> and he said, I'm going to give you a program. Take this program and go and, uh, and go train for eight weeks. And okay. I went away and I trained my bollocks off for eight weeks. Eight weeks came. He never contacted me. My dad, I didn't know this, eh? but my mm -hmm. dad was hounding him with emails every day. Mm -hmm. boom, 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 boom. I only found this out at the captain ceremony when I got my first cap. Mm. And basically, I gave up. After 12 weeks, I was like, it's done. Chateau yeah. Renard, they weren't even playing me anymore. I was on the bench because I was training every day. So I was so tired. Mm -hmm. um, and then I don't know where Ben Ryan was like, I feel bad for, for, for you texting me all the time to my dad. 
and you paid for the flight the last time, so we'll pay for him to come out again. And I went out there. My dad phoned me and he said, listen, Jeff, pack your bags, you're going. I don't know where. Pack your bags, you're going on Monday. And I said, Dad, listen, I'm not going, bud. Um, I'm, 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 I've given up that dream. It's finished. And he's, he was in Afghanistan at that, at that time. Mm. And uh, he said to me, listen, son, I'm going to phone you back in half an hour. You better, you better have a little quick talk to yourself in the mirror. So I put down the phone. And I was just like in shock a little bit. And I, yeah. I said to myself, yeah, wake up, Jeff. And I phoned him back within, within two, three minutes. And I said, listen, thanks. What's the details? I get down to the airport. And uh, England flew me out. And basically, that's how it started. And I had yeah. you know, an unbelievable trial, actually. Mm. And uh, I, I scored a try. I bumped someone off. I made a few good tackles. And then they basically started bringing me back every week. Every okay. week, I'd fly. i play on, on Sunday. Monday, I'd fly out to, uh, to London. England. Yeah. Get picked up, chauffeured, get, get, my, get my kit pressed and washed and given to me in my hotel room, my own hotel room. It was something out of a movie, mate. It was something, yeah. I, I can't explain it. It was ridiculous. And all, yeah. at the stage, I just kept everything to myself. Mm. I never told a friend, a soul. It was a hell of a journey. That was, it was a very exciting times for me. And then eventually yeah. uh, I got a contract um, through hard work. And, and um, yeah, it was unbelievable. Eh? Yeah. I, I think definitely, I'm sure like the turning point was the improvement you showed after that eight-week program that they gave you. That, okay, this isn't a guy who just took the program and put yes. it on his fridge and let it, you know, just gather up dust. And that you literally went and did the work by yourself while trying to hide it you know, from, you know, from your club, because I mean, if they find something like this out, then chances are they would have probably cut you, you know? Exactly. So exactly. that's exactly it. I mean, to be able to hustle that Jeff and still come out on the other side, victorious on it. You see, that's why I said, man, these are the kind of stories that, you know, I, I love to have um, on the show. It's just because it, it honestly does sound like something out of a movie. It really, yeah. really, really does, you know, but. Thanks, uh, Chase. That's but it just tells you another thing though, but it tells yeah. you this. There's, I'm, I'm not special, you understand. I just kept searching for opportunities and I was fortunate enough to find one them. and to find a person who backed me. I think it's, it's very important for youth and for young Salbornians, Hudsonians, Sterling, uh, I don't know what you call Sterlians, whatever they're called, but anyone in the <laughs> Sterlians. But it just shows you that, I promise you now, if you stick with it and, and, and you really want it and it you really open your eyes for opportunity, they will come and you'll find what you need. You'll find yeah. what you need. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. But thanks, Chase. It's lucky to hear what you think. And uh, yeah, I'm sure man. there's hundreds of stories uh, similar. Dude, no, I don't think there's, there's many that similar. But, um, but yeah, so um, how long was the, like, your contract with the England Sevens? So basically, I got a very small contract because I was very young and very wet behind uh -huh. years, and they, they signed me before I even played my first tournament. Mm. I signed my I signed my, my contract, and I was on a very I was on a I was on the smallest wage in in, in, the, in it was still good it was more money than I was earning in France for sure, but mm. it was the smallest mm -hmm. in the squad. And basically, once I had my I played my first tournament, I scored with my first touch against Australia. Mm -hmm. And it was a good try. It was a great try. I still got a photo of me jumping in the corner and twicking them and yeah. scoring with these old school Mizuno boots. And basically, once I had a taste, ah, I didn't let go. Eh? I started was, every over. single tournament. And when I was fit, I played. Yeah. When I, when I was fit, I played. And I was Ben Ryan, Ben Ryan, and Rusty and Shaw's guy. I was mm -hmm. a prop. Yeah. I played on the on the second wing, and um, I really there were some great tournaments. I, I mean, I won with the team. We won three three tournaments while I was playing. Mm. And it was uh, phenomenal, the experiences I had and the confidence I had then after training with them. I, 
I mean, I, 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 I grew everywhere with speed, with mm. strength, with mindset. It was, uh, it was very focused, very laser focused uh, stage in my life. Four, four, five years, I think it was. I yeah, play, I think I was lucky enough to play in about twenty-three tournaments, international tournaments, and okay, uh, and then about I think four or five, uh, four or five European championships. Mm. So uh, it was good. It was very, yeah, very, very, very competitive. A World Cup, we lost in the final in Russia to to New Zealand in the World Cup yeah, in two thousand and thirteen. So uh, I had some great experiences with with the England Sevens, and it taught me a lot about uh, rugby and myself, and gave me a lot of a lot of confidence, confidence, yeah. ability. Yeah. All right, and then obviously came um, you know returning to the fifteen man code. Now tell me, was Bath the only club that sort of like experienced um, you know interest in you, or did you have like a, a wide variety of choices in terms of clubs you could have gone to, but obviously ended up um, choosing Bath. Yeah, actually, so so I had a few options. I had Bristol, I had uh, Northampton. Mm-hmm. Um, Saris were talking to me because I actually managed to play in the Barbarians game against Saracens in John Smith's last game. And Nick Mallett was down there and he was coaching the uh, SA Barbarian side against John Smith in his last, okay. his last two raw. Uh, so there was a few, but Bath were really interesting because obviously I grew up watching Bath, man, with Butch James and Clarsons and... Uh, Fricky Welsh was down there. There was a lot of South Africans down there that played. And I, I loved the city. The city is amazing. And they had an unbelievable year. They had players like Ant Watson, Jonathan Joseph, Sam Burgess had gone there. They mm. were in the final that year. Yeah. And um, I had a meeting with Mike Ford and I was just like, do I stay at with the Sevens, go to the Olympics? Or do I sign a one-year deal at Bath? Mm-hmm. I think I had two years at Bristol I could go to, and also Northampton were giving me a one-year deal. Okay. But I decided to go with, to Bath. Uh, it's flashy down there. It was very attractive once I saw the place, and I was I yeah. fell in love. Beautiful, man. It's a beautiful yeah, place. it's a beautiful so, place. Yeah. So, and and and, and Bath were, were they had unbelievable players: George Ford, um, Stringer. Uh, I mean, Leroy Houston. They had so many English rugby players. Uh, Carl Eastman, who's an unbelievable player. Wow, what a, what a friend yeah. too now. But um, I was very fortunate to go, and I chose Bath. I chose to go to Bath. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, just to scheme through it, how was your experience playing for Bath? Um, yeah, just, you know, how was, you know, the, the team, the vibe? Did you feel that you got your best minutes? Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was or... difficult. It was difficult for me because when I rocked up, it was, you had Matt Banahan, Rocker Dagooney, Anthony Watson, Alguja, yeah. uh, the Argentinian winger, mm-hmm. um, Tommy Homer. Um, there's a lot of players there, and yeah. to get into the team was was I I, I was part of the, the first match day squad, mm-hmm. um, and I played. I think I played. I must have played about eleven or twelve games that year off the okay. bench most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I was super like, why am I not starting? I came in there, I scored a cracker of a try. My opening yeah, did I remember? Yeah, yeah. you got a few good touches. I saw some good touches yeah. from you. Um, for so it was, it was, you know, I, I earned a lot of money in the bank with 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 uh, with, <laughs> yeah. with, 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 with with forty with forty. The coach, not not uh-huh. physical money, not physical money. I had I had money, but but it was um, more physical, more like you know. Trust. He trusted oh, okay. me. Right. All right. Like that nice. way. And he said to me, I like, listen, next year you're going to play a lot. And, and unfortunately, he got sacked. He got oh, uh, sacked. Yeah. And then we had the Crusaders uh, coaches coming in. Uh, Todd Blackadder and uh, Tobias Matson, who's an amazing coach. Uh-huh. Tobias Matson. 
unbelievable. The coach of Quinns now, he is an, he's a guy I learned so, so much from. Mm. That year, again, started like a house on fire. But they had their own ideas of what they wanted on the wing. And they brought in some of their own guys. And again, I had about a, a 10 or 12 um, match uh, season. Yeah. And then I, I did my cruciate ligaments. So I did my ACL, which, oh, is, which was terrible because it came to a point where I was just about to start and have a run mm. of games. Mm. And I did my ACL and I was out for 10 months. So oh. it, was, it, was a, it was a terrible one. It, it, it basically... It opened up doors to coaching and to psychology that I never had before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was for my rugby career. It definitely put a a big dampener on my Bath rugby career. I felt like I could have I could have really I didn't show my best if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I got yeah. I mean, but with those things, when you know injuries, you know they always say are part of the game and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I guess you just take the good with the bad. But honestly, you you had some decent touches. So I think. You still could tick it off as a, a, a successful spell, sorry. Um, yeah, it's always you. Always it's just, look at you got unlucky with injury, and it happens. Yeah, it happens. It's part of it, and and yeah. that's exactly what you said. You 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 put it in great words there, my friend Chase. So yeah, all good, man. All right, and then making the decision. So what brought on you know uh, like making the decision to return to France? Because I mean, coming down from Bath, you literally could have joined any you know any team either in the Aviva. Or maybe like a, a level down, like championship level. So why choose to return to France to play Federal One after playing, you know, big <laughs> for so long? So basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. But when I, was in, when I was in France that first year, I had big dreams. And I saw a lot of French clubs. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to go back. And I had to play. I wanted to play in the Pro D2. And I wanted okay. to play for Bézier. Okay. And Bézier were interested in me after Bath. They were a little bit hesitant after my because I had obviously a double ACL, both legs basically had been uh, I had ACL grafts on both. So when you get yeah. to that sort of point, clubs are a bit wary. But I was like, listen, I've got to get to France. I had a dream. I wanted to fulfill that dream, mm. and um, I waited. I waited, and I was living at my good friend's house, Anthony Watson. We were living there, and I was living rent free for him. And I mean, I I'd, I obviously accumulated a bit of money, so it wasn't a problem. But I just took my time. I was doing some self training with with a with a great guy, um, personal training, and it was amazing. And mm. um, I waited for an opportunity. And basically, my old Chateau Renard coach was coaching in Federal 1 for Rodez. And okay. he said to me, listen here, come here, score tries, and you'll be, you'll be picked up again. Show that you can play. Mm. So halfway mm. through the season, I went there, I played 10 games, I scored 10 tries, and then I got a contract with Bezier. So it was, um, it was well worth the wait. Um, I mean, like I could have st stayed in England, but I... I really was looking for something different. I was looking mm. for more adventure. Change more... of scenery. Yeah. Exactly. That, that French lifestyle is beautiful, bro. It's really, yeah, it is. Really <laughs> the weather is amazing. Bad. It's like Africa a little bit. The wildlife is like Africa a little bit. Mm. Mm. So, so happy I did it. And uh, it's been three years now that I've been in Bézier. So, really love to play 47 games in the Pro which is, which is good. I've, yeah. I've had a few injuries this last season, but I've loved it. I'm 33. I'm still fit as a fiddle. Feeling Still good about rugby. Yeah, no, good. I'm feeling good, huh? Yeah. All right, so Jeff, yeah. Okay, so before we move on to, um, you know, just playing surprise rugby questions that I'm going to ask you. Cool. Just three questions, not a lot. Um, I just want to ask you, like, one day, obviously, you are going to retire. One day. Hopefully yeah. not anytime soon. You know, what would you like your, your rugby legacy to be? Um, you know... 
there there will be a legacy of this of this I think of, yeah. of me and, and what 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 that would look like. What I would like it to look like is just just a more the human side of things. Jeff was mm -hmm. always a human. He took time out to listen to people and to his colleagues and to his teammates, and he was he was all in. I think that's the that's the that's the big thing about me and my career. I, I would say almost like the little uh, rattle. Uh, mm -hmm. Up, you never, you never, you never stop. You never, you never, um, you never too small. You never too dumb. You never too, too anything. You yeah. Know, you, yeah. You know. So I think I hope that that's I think that's what, what people would say about me, um, and I would like like to think that sort of that's a good omen for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's that's awesome. Right on the money, man. That that was that was an amazing answer. All right. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Okay. Now. Uh, Appreciate it. Three rugby questions. Um, all right. So first, first one. Scenario: You've just broken the line. Boom! As a centre, you've broken the line. But within breaking the line, you've lost a bit of momentum. So the would-be defender is about to catch up to you. You've got Anthony Watson. You've got Dan Norton. Who are you giving it to to round it off? <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, what are we playing? Are we playing fifteens? Are we playing? 15s? Um, okay, I know Dan Norton's a sevens guy, but let's say, yeah, let's say it's it's a fifteens game. Uh, it's got to go to Anthony Watson, the Maserati. He's a he's the ultimate finisher, mate. He's He's uh, on a 15s pitch, uh -huh. on a 15s game in front of that crowd. I've never seen a more confident man. So, mm -hmm. Ant Watson, you get the nod, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Nords, oh, don't good. kill me. Nords, don't kill me. He's pretty, <laughs> he's pretty prolific, too. I won't lie. I'll probably yeah, break both of them. Dan Norton, man, he's dominated the scene for years, dude. Yeah, he's, unbelievable he's human being. Unbelievable human being. He's man. quick. He's quick. All right. Um, second question. Penalty. Crunch time. You know, sirens gone. World Cup final. <laughs> Who do you pick to take um, the penalty? You got Monet Stain, Johnny Wilkinson, or Daniel Carter? <laughs> Who do you pick? Uh, to take easy, that last penalty. Easy, Johnny Wilkinson. That plays the focus. Yeah, said as well to people. I just yeah. trust Johnny, man. I, I, I raise trust Johnny. Johnny Wilkinson. In Johnny, we trust, bro. When, when he had that laser focus, you knew, you knew it's over, bro. Like ninety-nine percent done. All right. Okay, so you go Johnny Wilkinson for sure. For sure, yeah. Okay. All right, last one. Last one. Now, hospital pass, bro. I'm talking like your scrummy has sold you out. Sold you. Hospital okay. pass. The pass okay. is so high. You got to jump up, get it. You got three three heavy hitters that, are that you know, um, when you come down, could possibly hit you. You got number one, Butch James. <laughs> <laughs> so you got number two, Alessandra Tuilangi. <laughs> <laughs> And then number three, you got Brian Lima. <laughs> oh, mate, Butch James. Take, I'll take a South African. I'll take, take a South take African. Butch James. Yeah, Butch, any day of the week. I've been hit by <laughs> Simone before. I don't like it. I, I, still, I stayed well away from the Simones, bro. They they hit like, I don't know, freight trains, bro. Yeah, no, yeah, they, they're flipping physical. Yes, they hit hot. Yeah. They hit hot. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so that, that was just a bit That's of cool question, bro. I, I enjoyed yeah. that. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to give a guy a scenario, because I try to put you in that scenario that, okay, once yeah. you this, who would you pick between these, uh, between these players? I do that all athletes, like, because um, I've had soccer players and basketball players, and I try to play that scenario out, um, you know, suited to their sports as well. Cool, um, bro. Unbelievable yeah. show you got here, man. Cheers. You're doing great. Yeah, thanks, stuff, man. Like, thanks. I, like I, pre I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I had a great chat with Shannon. Uh, he also enjoyed France, man, so much. 
uh, one dealer as well. He also he's still in France. I think he's he's gonna play for what's the face? Um, Albi. He's gonna play for Albi. Ah, oh, it's a good club. It's a good yeah. club. Yeah, they they good. No one D. I mean, I listened to Shannon's uh, podcast with you. Unbelievable. I, I mean, I know Shannon. I play with Shannon a lot. To play against mm. him even more. What a competitor. Terrible to play against. You just want to punch him in the face. But <laughs> he's uh, he's a he he was also he, everything he got he deserved. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. he's a, he was a top top um, Eastern Cape warrior definitely. Yeah. Eh? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. So now it's awesome, man, to just get these stories from you guys because I'm I mean I know it must have been tough to just be underrated, you know, for yeah, most it's... of your life, and for you guys to get you know, to the pinnacle of your careers the way you did, it really is admirable, Jeff. And um, Thanks, my bro, yeah. and I just want to take this time to really thank you for awesome content and just, you know, sharing your story. Because, I mean, I'm sure in the future, I'm sure you're going to be writing books and doing <laughs> movies when you retire. So I want to get you now before you get to Hollywood for us. Nah, cheers, <laughs> cheers. It's an absolute pleasure. And... Um, you know, we, I really do believe this. We are like brothers, um, us Eastern Cape boys, and there's a lot of respect between all of us. And there's always been like that. You know, we walked around with our blazers, yeah, uh, at inter-schools days and, and derby days, bro. So if I can, if I can just share a little story and give a little yeah. bit of uh, sunshine for those guys down there, and for us also pay tribute to some great friends and and teammates along the way. Fuck, unbelievable. And I really appreciate you getting in touch with me. And anytime, bro, anytime we, you need something or want to have a chat or you, uh, you want to speak to a player or want to have an interview with someone, you give me a shout, bro. All good, man. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Hey, my pleasure. I'll let you get on with your day now because, um, I mean, I'm sure you, you got better things to do than, you know, have a chat with me. So No, no, no. Don't downplay it. It's a big thing. I'm very, very, I was very excited to have this conversation with you. So, yeah, yeah. Man, man. me too. Thanks a lot, Jeff. And, Thanks, um, bro. So once once the episode is ready, I'll send you the link. Um, because it's usually available in on Apple, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and also on Anchor FM. So once it's it's published, I've done the editing and published everything. I'll send all the links to you and please share with I'll your post contact. it. I'll post oh. it all over my social medias, and uh, I'll get some mates to do it too for you. Um, but it's great speaking to you, bro. You're doing a great thing. Yeah, I, I like the way you you interview. It's a it's a it's a nice, it's a nice way of doing it. It's a lovely story. It's a lovely journey. It's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely platform you've got, mate. Really good. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right, Jeff. Uh, Have a good day, man. And, and, All the best. Let's keep in touch. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Have a good day, mate, and uh, we'll chat again. Cheers, cheers, cheers. cheers. Bye. Right in this segment of our podcast, we actually want to talk about and promote our client and partner, Getafe Madrid International Football Academy. Right, this is an academy, football academy, soccer academy that is based in Madrid, Spain. Getafe recruits players between the ages of 15 and 17 years old. Players are able to learn from quality coaches from around the world, UEFA accredited and licensed coaches. Players are also afforded the opportunity to receive a quality education with the academy's partner school, Akinas American School. Right, so if players enroll with the academy, 
and study up until they finish their diploma, they are able to obtain a diploma which is USA accredited. And when they obtain this, they are able to enroll and study at any university in the world. All right. So this is an amazing, amazing soccer opportunity for any young player who has ambitions of developing in a foreign market. Passports are open to every single individual in the world. All right. A disclaimer about this uh, promotion is that I, as a football agent that is registered in Japan, I do not represent players under the age of 18. My relationship and partnership is with the academy. All right. So with that being said, I will only liaise with parents or legal guardians of young players. So for anyone listening to this and wanting to find out more information, you can find out by going to our website, which is www.magsportsagency.net. That is www.m-a-g-sportsagency.net. All right. Over there, all the information is displayed in terms of tuition and the application process. Obviously, before players are accepted into the academy, um, there are certain requirements that players need to meet in order to be accepted into the academy. So only being talented as being a player, that is simply not enough. This is an academy that places an emphasis you know, um, in education as well. This is an academy that understands the importance of education as well. So what they strive to do is equip young football players with the skills they need to excel at a high level as professional soccer players, but also to have the education that is needed for life after a professional soccer career. All right. So this is an amazing opportunity and um, I would recommend it. I definitely recommend it. Madrid is an amazing city. Spain, the Spanish winters are the best winters because they don't get as cold as the rest of Europe. And this is an amazing opportunity for a young child to develop and mature as an athlete and an individual. All right. They will gain the exposure and they will be able to basically be based in one of the cities that is considered as one of the capital soccer cities of the world. You know, in the city, they've got one of the biggest football soccer brands in the world in Real Madrid. So if that doesn't inspire a young player, I don't know what will. All right. So make sure you check out the website for more information. And I look forward to hearing from parents and legal guardians who would like to take their child's um, football career and educational um, career to the next level. All right. Take care. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. All right, and that was an awesome chat, man, with uh, Jeffrey Williams, former England rugby uh, seven star, former Bath rugby player, um, and now currently plying his trade in the Pro Division Two in France. 
all right i don't know about you guys man but um i got goosebumps you know listening to some of these stories you know just about the hustle of what it took you know for him to get to the position that he is um now or the position you know that he was able to reach in terms of heights you know um that's really admirable man you know just showing a bit of tenacity uh grit and just downright hustle you know that's what the show is all about man you know these are the type of stories that we like to capture um the type of history we like to document so shout out to Jeff for giving us his time and uh yeah i'm sure everybody's going to enjoy um this content you know once it's published and once it's out all right and uh just a special thank you you know to everyone who's been supporting the podcast um you guys are the real mvps and uh, you can keep supporting the podcast um by basically getting our podcast merch which uh, is available online i'll be i'll make sure to drop the link um you know on the description of the podcast and uh yeah man you know i hope everyone has a great day all right so from us sports bears from an agent's perspective with your host zila aka chestan bekela i hope you all have an amazing day all right and remember our slogan for the show we don't only talk sports we effing lived it all right we fucking lived it all right take care guys sayonara later All right, so did you know that Sports Biz from an agent's perspective, the podcast was actually parlayed from an ebook series that is available on amazon.com. I get I bet you I bet you guys didn't know this. But uh yeah, that is the case. Um so when I started my journey as a sports agent, I told myself that you know what I want to document this journey as it's actually happening. All right? And then that gave me the idea that you know what to start an ebook series and to just basically talk about my experiences um in sort of like an ebook series. All right? So the ebook series that um we completed last year was season 1. Four episodes of season 1. where basically guys I talk about my journey in transitioning from being um an athlete from being a player to actually getting into the business side of professional sports all right I've always known that I wanted to be in the um, the business of professional sports once I stopped playing but I didn't know how all right I bet there's a lot of you know a lot of guys who are athletes Or a lot of guys who are passionate about sports who actually want to become agents but they don't know how to become agents. Okay? This is where I recommend I recommend that you get um my sports biz from an agent's perspective ebook series. All right? That series literally details everything, man. It details um the process and it also details on how to get started. um you know when you just want to open up your own shop your own agency how to prospect for clients all right and also um i also tell stories about the transfer window and i also tell stories about just my life 
in Tokyo since I've been here. All right. Trust me, there's some epic stories that you would not want to miss that are over there. But um, all that aside, the most important information that is on there is literally about how to get started as a sports agent and just how to navigate this journey. Because I don't have a mentor. No one's mentoring me in this sports agency journey. It's literally um, through trial and error and it's literally just, you know, taking it day by day and going by instincts. Okay, so make sure you get the ebook series, man. Sports Biz from an agent's perspective, ebook series. All right. Um, and I wish you guys well on your journey, man. I wish you well on your agent's journey. For any agent that's looking to come into the game, or for any sports enthusiast that's looking to come into the game, I wish you nothing but luck. Make sure you get the ebook series. <laughs> just kidding, man. But yeah, I just thought I would um, tell you guys about it because a lot of guys told me that they didn't know that my podcast was parlayed from an, um, an ebook series. All right. There was even a press release. There was even like it was also in the media as well um, because my podcast has just been catching on so much popularity here in Asia and in the African continent. And then the one person just contacted me and was like, listen, I saw sports biz from an agent's perspective on Amazon. Was this a book? I was like, yep, it was first a book before I made it into a podcast. So anyway, I thought I'd share that little story. And uh, yeah, man, I hope you guys go out and get it. I definitely recommend it and you won't be disappointed. Many more seasons are coming as well. All right. Cheers. Cheers.